coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves. Hello, and welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Let's look at the word coach for just a minute. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, executive coaches, and many more. Why do these people call what they do coaching? instead of, say, teaching, or training, or leading, or consulting, or even mentoring. What do these people all have in common? You see, we've spent most of our lives learning from others through different mediums, such as books, classrooms, computers, radio, television, the internet, and face-to-face conversations. And those people fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, and so on. And that's all good because every one of us should be learning and growing every day. And there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. But for the challenges you're currently facing in your life and in your business, there is one source of answers other than God that is far superior to what can be found in the world of knowledge. And that source is you. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema within your DNA that is just waiting to be discovered. And that is precisely what coaching is all about. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors, who are all very important, a coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness. So you can see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and then draw upon your internal greatness to reach the next level. Coaching introduces you to who you are. It makes the unconscious conscious. Coaches are unique because they do not bring you the answers. Why? Because they know that the best answers don't come from them or from the world around you. They lie within you. So what about you? How are you addressing that big challenge that's staring you in the face? that mountain that's standing in your way. What if you could see that obstacle from an entirely new perspective, from a level of consciousness that you never realized you could reach? How important would that be to you? Reaching that level of self-awareness is entirely possible. Let me know how my team of coaches can help you go from today's challenges to tomorrow's breakthrough. Email me at ronald at ronaldgraves.com. That's ronald at ronaldgraves.com. We're here to help you. So let me explain our show format. Our guests are real people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, just like you, with real challenges, just like yours. 
After we introduce our guests and spend some time getting to know them and their business, most shows will feature a live coaching session designed to help our guests achieve real breakthrough, just like we all want. Today, our very special guest is Dr. Steve O'Brien. Dr. O'Brien has been assisting children and families in his Tampa Bay practice for over 20 years. He earned his doctoral degree in clinical psychology at Nova Southeastern University with an applied developmental focus. Dr. O'Brien's services include psychological assessment for a range of mental health issues, psychological evaluations for intellectual functioning and gifted eligibility, individual psychotherapy for children and adolescents, parent consultation, individual psychotherapy for adults, and mental health education and training for professionals and the community. Dr. O'Brien also serves as a consultant for Bay News 9, Tampa Bay's 24-hour news source. From clinical psychologist to entrepreneur, in 2015, Dr. O'Brien launched PsychTouch LLC, a new company with a new vision to provide contemporary tools which integrate psychology and touchscreen technology for understanding and assisting children and the adults in their lives. So, welcome, Dr. O'Brien. Thank you very much, Ron. Pleasure. Yeah, how are you today? I am all right. It was a long day. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot going on with, with the families and kids today that I'm seeing. So, you know, sometimes oh. some weeks are a little tougher than others, but I still am always up for the challenge. Good. Well, thank you for being on our show. Sure. Pleased to be here. Good. I want to take you back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where did it all start? What was that first spark or that moment when you became interested in child psychology? Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, even when I was, I mean, a a young teen, you know, I found I had fun with kids, and I found myself at an early age kind of wanting to help kids out, you know, whether through volunteering, and I did camp counseling and those kinds of things, and I just enjoyed Mm -hmm. being a mentor, even though at that point I was very young myself. Um, And as I continued and eventually decided on, you know, going to school and whatnot, at first I thought, I wanted to be a pediatrician, and that's that's kind of what I was shooting for. Okay. And after a, uh, a couple semesters of pre-med, I said to myself, I don't like this. It, <laughs> I, I just found it tedious. I found it boring. I found it overly complex. I was quickly learning that I didn't want to be a physician of sorts. Um, and I took a psychology class kind of on a whim in college. To, I needed an elective. And I just really took to it. It just kind of spoke to me. I I realized it's people. I'm interested in in, in people's emotions and thoughts and behavior much more than I am their their physical organs. Uh, And and by the second year of college, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist and knew that I wanted to still really help uh, kids and teens because I, I, I think that being, I, I remember just being a kid and teen was tough. I mean, certainly I didn't have a, the worst childhood ever, but there were some challenges. And I just remember it, it didn't always feel good, and I didn't feel like people, that a lot of the adults in my life were, were understanding me. And I think that kind of motivated me to make sure that, that I understand kids and that I help parents understand their kids. Yeah, very good. So talk about where it went from there, from from being in, you know, your second year or whatever of undergraduate to, to getting, going all the way through and getting your degree. Yeah. So, um, y- you know, as I 
continued. Uh, in fact, I even remembered, you know, as you know, you get some people in your lives that are more supportive than others. And, and uh, I was fortunate to have some very supportive undergraduate professors that, that saw that I had a strong interest in the field. And I was talking to them about, I think I want to do this. And, and, and they were very empowering. You, you can do this. But, but then they were like, but you want to be a clinical psychologist? I said, yeah. And they said, okay. You, it, it's the most competitive aspect of psychology. It's the most competitive uh, field in the, you know, and I'm like, that's in psychology is clinical. And I went, oh boy. And I had a, I had a decent grade point average, but not, but the, those pre med courses I didn't do so well in. <laughs> so the first, so my first year of college was not stellar, and then the the last three were much better. So it pulled that GPA down, and they were like, mm, you kind of need to have a solid 3.8. And I'm like, oh, I don't have that. And they're like, your last couple of years are a 3.8, but not your overall. So, but, the, but, but luckily, I, and there were some people that did discourage me, saying, oh, I don't, you know, you, you may not get in. Um, you may need to go into another field of psychology that's less competitive. And so I applied to 14 schools. And I got into two. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, and it was, you know, and it was, it was, a t- it was very discouraging, of course. Was, you know, I remember being on campus and, and going to the mailbox and, and find another rejection letter, you know. I was like, oh, gosh, what am I doing? And, uh, but eventually, again, a couple acceptance letters, letters, and I decided on NOVA. It was then called NOVA. It's now NOVA Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. They had a, really, a good accredited um, clinical psychology doctoral program and got in there, and, uh, you know, I knew it was right. It, it was right. And uh, so thank goodness for that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it only takes one. Uh, out of that 14, it would only really have taken one, but you got... Two offers, so that's two, so not bad. I was like, okay. <laughs> so you had a choice. You had a choice. Yes. yes. Um, you had mentioned several times here about competitiveness, you know, that, that you were going into a very competitive field. So obviously it didn't scare you away, but can you talk just briefly about, you know, your competitive nature or how that, how that played into your decision? Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm a competitive person, but with myself. You know, it's, in other words, I'm not highly competitive. Like, if I'm playing a game, I don't really care if I win. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really care. But if I'm doing something that I'm trying to learn or improve at, I care a lot. And so I'm, so I'm competitive with myself in terms of am I moving forward? Am I learning something? Am I improving on, on, on something, on a skill <clears throat> or body of knowledge that I'm trying to get more uh, acquainted with? And that, that you know... It, it served me well, although sometimes, and I think anybody will tell you, that people that are competitive with themselves are also self-critical and also sometimes put undue pressure. And so, of course, it's balancing that. And, and I, you know, there's some good things with age. And now that I'm in my 50s, one good thing is I, I think I do a little better job at recognizing when I'm being a little too self-critical or being too unrealistic with, with what I'm expecting of myself too quickly, say. But I think that just having the drive to make sure that I was at least doing better than before did help me uh, in school, and especially if I had a presentation uh, in school. I, in grad school, I really wanted to make sure I presented as competent, and both for myself and because I have to admit, I do care what people think, and I try not to care what they think about everything about me, but (laughs) I want them to see me as competent and capable in what I'm talking about. 
and I think that that helped me. Uh, so I was I was most of the time fairly disciplined about kind of sticking to some structure and routine, and yet still also having fun. I mean, I remember, you know, definitely would go out and have drinks with friends during grad school. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember we even did a dance competition, a bunch of us, uh, you know, and, and let off steam and did some fun stuff. But you definitely had to have that kind of routine of of, of hitting the books on a regular basis. Uh, or because once you started getting off track, it, it, it just got it would get real. It could get really stressful. So if I had a week or two that I didn't wasn't wasn't as vigilant, I would start feeling uh oh. And uh, so you can't you just can't afford to do that, unfortunately, in, in, in grad school for psych. It's just really tough. True, True. I understand that. Um, so you graduated, got your PhD, mm-hmm. or your yeah, from your doctorate, your doctoral degree. Very, it's very similar to PhD. It's ID. Okay. It's a little more emphasis on practice than research. Okay. Very similar. <clears throat> so, did you go right into private practice? Then, did you start your practice right out of college? It, um, not, not, not quite. What I did was I worked for two years at a medical center in uh, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> so I went from Fort Lauderdale to Buffalo, and <laughs> I uh, it was hey. it was rough, um, but yeah. it was a very good opportunity, and it I, I was being given an opportunity to work in a medical setting, which I had not worked in yet. I had worked in different kinds of settings, but not true medical. And they needed uh, someone to work with with kids and teens in in this team. They had nobody. Um, And and it was managed care. It was a a kind of a setting. So I was used to being trained in in working with kids and teens and families for kind of longer periods. And Mm -hmm. this was... A challenge, but I also knew the field was starting to go there. It was the time where managed care was kind of starting, for better or worse, <laughs> to take hold, yeah. and insurance companies were making that whole shift. It's like I was like, I remember thinking, man, just as I'm graduating, the insurance companies are getting tougher with how they pay you. They're getting they're they're, they're streamlining. They're not paying as much. They want more of your of your treatment plan data. They that you know, and it was like whoa, and so and they wanted you to to help people more quickly for, you know, because they, you know, money. And right. that setting helped me learn how to make adjustments and be more effective with, with less time. And, and so I was there for two years, and then I'm like, okay, I can't deal with another winter in Buffalo, nor <laughs> another Buffalo Bills Super Bowl loss, because the two things that depress oh, yeah. Buffalonians more than anything else is, is a Super Bowl loss and a cold summer. <laughs> like, those two <laughs> things would make people really down in, in, in Buffalo. And so I, so I, um, I went, decided to go back to Florida, and, and I started to practice the, the old-fashioned way. Internet was barely going on at that time. It was 1994. There wasn't a whole lot with the internet yet. Email was just starting to kind of happen more. And so I kind of did the old-fashioned way, and, I, and, it, and it, it was rough. I mean, there was many a day that I was like, I, I, can't, I, I can't do this, or I shouldn't be doing this. I need to just get a job. That, you know. So I did contract work for a lot of different things. I, I taught at a community college. I, I worked in nursing homes, even though that wasn't my area of expertise, but I, I did some contract work there at, at some psych hospitals and built my practice you know, by networking and hitting pavements and, 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 and sending out letters and, and putting flyers. <laughs> yes, putting flyers on cars and in, you know, um, in, in gyms, in the library. <laughs> I mean, like, I was doing that, and 
it was very slow. But a mentor of mine, Dr. Ruth Peters, who unfortunately is no longer with us, helped immensely after she got to know me for about a year, and she saw that I had something in me that she apparently thought was good, and she started mentoring me and helping me and helping me get exposure and referrals, and then it started happening more. So it took a few years, about three to four years for the practice to kind of get some meat to it. And you say the old-fashioned way, you aren't kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, Flyers I, I, on I was, cars. Yeah, phone calls and letters and pamphlets and all of that. Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. well, eventually it worked. Eventually it paid off. Eventually it uh, did. So I was able to gradually yeah. let go of the contract positions as the practice got busier. And now I still can't believe that I've been doing this since 94. And I'm very blessed to have a, 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 a very great thriving practice with two fantastic associates and a fantastic office manager. So wow. really happy about that. Come a long way. And about 23 years, probably now seems like it's, it's gone by pretty fast. But you've yeah, come you know, a long it, ways. Yeah, and sometimes it feels like another life to kind of look back and kind of go, oh, okay. And, you know, and, and I taught grad school also for, I just recently quit a teaching position in grad school. I was teaching for 16 years. I started off community college, and then eventually, after five years of community college, it was a big leap, and I started teaching graduate work, and I thought, I can't do this. You know, I wanted to do it, but again, I, I was scared because it was such a big jump in, uh, in, in level of education. Um, and I really enjoyed it, but it was time for a change. Uh, education, play, you know, schools can be really great, but schools a lot of schools today get kind of uh, got a little too regimented for me, a little too corporate for me, and I and I knew I started to want to do other things, and uh, so I've got a so in addition to the app which we'll talk about eventually, I'm also mm-hmm. getting into some teaching some um, okay. seminars. I'm going to start doing seminars around the country, hopefully in the near future, and I'm looking into that right now. All right, we'll get to that. Okay, we're approaching our first commercial break. When we return, Dr. O'Brien and I will continue. I want to talk a little bit about his specialties and um, some of the other things he does um, outside of his practice. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness, waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? 
Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now... Back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. Before we continue with our guest, I want to let you know that my Nuggets of Leadership program is available for download, absolutely free of charge, to every one of my listeners. You can have all seven leadership lessons in the palm of your hand. Simply go to www.pli.store and order your free download. Plus, there's a special free bonus that will take your leadership to a whole new level. Again, that's www.pli.store. We're talking to Dr. Steve O'Brien, clinical psychologist and entrepreneur. Now, when we broke from the commercial, we were kind of talking about your background, so I want to shift gears and come forward now, but look back a little bit because you've been practicing now for 23 years. Can you tell us about some of the most important lessons you've learned, not only as a businessman, but but as a... um, you know, as a psychologist over those years. Yeah, sure. I, I think one of the things that I've definitely learned is how universal certain uh, psychological themes are, meaning how virtually everybody in life struggles with be, wanting to be accepted and yet also wanting to be their own person. And I think those are very two very universal uh, humanistic themes they may get played out differently, but everybody at some point struggles with those things. You know, they want to connect, be accepted, but they also want to be who they are. And, and those two things can be, sometimes can feel in opposition to each other. Uh, I, I think the other thing that I've, one of the things I've learned is that a lot of how people are is, of course, their environment, but biology and genetics plays a larger role than most people think. Uh, so I sometimes say to parents, you know, your kid's temperament or disposition is fiery. That's, that's how they are. You've got an intense kid, and that, they're like red Play-Doh. And you can do some shaping with them, but you will never make that red Play-Doh blue. Never. That that kid is a red kid. <laughs> and, and, okay. and you could, again, you've got to work with that. So I think also just knowing that, that you know, peep, the brain is an organ, too, and it is a big determinant early on of how people are going to be. You know, infants are different. Toddlers are different. And I think sometimes one of the myths is that the parents sometimes get beat up. We, we tend to attribute too much of a child's personality to their parents, to the parents' style of parenting. And while that certainly has bearing, a lot of it is how that kid is wired. It really is. Uh, Very I've also Yeah, and I've also learned how important it is to 
protect yourself in business, and I don't just mean legally and financially, but in terms of your self-care and not burning out and being assertive. And sometimes people in the human service field, like psychology, we tend to be pretty nice people most of the time. We tend to be empathic and compassionate, and we like to help people. But if we don't assert ourselves enough with limits, then we will burn out. So, you know, if I didn't have limits... I'd have the parents of the kids I work with, they want to call me all the time and email and talk, and uh, you can't do it. You have to have the limits, and, and, and otherwise, again, my father once said to me, you're no, you're no good if you put yourself out of business. You're no good to your patients if you put yourself out of business because you either didn't take care of yourself or you were too generous with your time, and, you, and now you can't pay your bills. You know, so, so you've got to protect yourself financially, legally, and emotionally, so that you can do the good work. Um, so, and I think the last thing I would say is you tend to regret not setting limits more than setting them. So I've learned in working with parents and families and kids how important limits are. Tactfully done, but you have to set them. Very good advice from your father there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a smart guy. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> really? Smart guy. Really? Entrepreneur himself. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So tell me what kind of issues you see most today with kids and families. I see balance being a huge problem. And because families and kids and parents are out of balance, anxiety and depression are very common, unfortunate side effects. So many parents find it extremely difficult, understandably so, to be their own people, to be, say, a spouse or partner, to be a parent, and to also just be who they are and, and, and uh, engaging in things that bring them joy and reduce their stress. And, and that balance is so hard. And I think today that parents are so concerned with their kids being productive and successful, and while I get that, there's a big price to be paid if that is overly focused on and the kid's emotional well-being is not. And so I think sometimes we get two parents and can get too wrapped up and like how their child is doing, meaning are they getting good grades? And, you know, are, are they learning responsibility and cleaning their room? And, and I'm not saying those mm-hmm. things aren't important, but they're, they're not more important than a kid feeling like they're okay, like that they're accepted, that they're, they're connected with people, um, that they think well of themselves. Uh, that doesn't mean that they think that they're superior, but just they think that they're a good person. Uh, and... That stuff sounds so basic, but I'm telling you that there's, it, it, there's a lot of kids that are anxious and depressed today because they're in families and in a society. So I don't even say I'm not blaming parents, but they're in families, they're in a, they're in a culture of just do what you need to do, do what you need to do. And that, that can become harmful to just focus on that. Um, so anxiety, depression, uh, I see a lot of... Uh, Disorder, kids that have disorders that have uh, you know a genetic basis like autism, uh, ADHD. Uh, I see a lot of families that struggle, of course, with divorce and then with remarriage, uh, blended families and step parents and that kind of thing. Uh, very difficult for both the adults and the kids to navigate that sort of stuff, and. I, I think I see more of it. And then I would finally, I'd say that the influence of technology is both a blessing and a curse, that there are some really terrific things about the information that we can access for ourselves and for kids and whatnot. But 
at the same point, kids today are faced with too many ways to get access to information and stimulation that they're not ready for. And parents can only do so much. I mean, it's, you know, trying to supervise and limit and, you know, the kids' exposure to that stuff is extremely difficult. So I think that uh, the technology age has really made parenting a hundred times more challenging and, Hmm. and childhood more stressful in many ways. Again, it's got its positives for sure. Uh, maintaining communication with people at a dis- from a distance can be fantastic. Easy information can be fantastic. But overstimulation and information that kids aren't ready for uh, can produce a lot of problems. Okay, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's, um, I was going to ask you the question about how the changes you've seen since 1994. You pretty much yeah. you explained it. It's, it is yeah. a totally different world. It, it, it's difficult for ch- children and for parents. Very difficult. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a big it's a fast pace and it's a, a lot of stimulation. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of stimulation much earlier than it was in 1994 or even before that because it, you know, yeah. children are exposed to this at a much earlier age. Yes, yep, and, and we're getting research out that we really need to be careful about exposing very particularly very young children, you know, three four years old to to to, to all this screen time that we really need to be careful about that because it start, we're starting to learn how much it can interfere with a more balanced brain development process. You know, it's like I sometimes say to my patients, you don't want to go in to a gym and work out nothing but your right bicep for the next six months, do you? Because, it, yeah, you'll have a big bossy right arm, but the rest of you is going to be really weak. And a lot of times that's what's happening with kids' brains, is they're getting overly skilled and developed in certain ways and under in others. Wow. Now, you talked a little bit about divorce in, in your last, uh, in our last uh, discussion here. What are some of the guidelines you typically offer divorced parents? Mm. One of the, and research really supports this, you know, it, it, which is that if post-divorce there's still conflict between parents, that the kids can sense and feel, and they sense it and feel it even if they're not directly exposed to it. They know when their parents, even when their divorced parents, are very contentious with each other. And then it's like a double whammy. It's like, okay, not only are our parents not together, and they're not in the same house, they still are having problems with each other. And that, so that creates huge problems. So one of the things I try to really emphasize to parents is, listen, the more civil your relationship is with each other, you are benefiting your kids tremendously. And because kids want to love you both, they do love you both, they don't want to be in a loyalty conflict, and you will put them in a loyalty conflict the more contentious your relationship is. The, the second is uh, if to be mindful of the pace at which they make changes in the kids' lives. Kids can handle change. They can be resilient, yes, but they need enough support and it still needs to be paced. So, for example, if, if a divorce means, okay, there's a change in locale, locale, residence, there's a change in school, there's a change in social environment, there's uh, a change in financial income, say a loss of income, uh, and now another change is now mom or dad has a new boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's only been a couple months since, mm-hmm. we've been, since the divorce. You know, that is a lot. And 
that's the kind of thing parents have to be really mindful to keep change at a pace that is that is probably slower than they would like, especially when it comes to a new relationship. And so I'll say to parents, you're allowed to have a new relationship, but your child's also allowed to not have to be involved in it. <laughs> and so that can be a struggle for parents because they tend to want their kids to accept that person right away. Mm-hmm. And many kids are not ready for that. It, you know, so yeah. that's one of the things is to really keep your personal relationship more buffered from your child, you know, shortly after a divorce. And also to make sure that this is a person you're going to stay with, because a lot of times then what happens is that you're re-traumatizing a kid that may have already been really upset by a divorce because now a new person came and went over the next year as well. Right. And that can just really be damaging for, for kids in terms of the, how stable they see the people in their environment being. Okay. Well, now we come to the part of our show where um, we get into our, our coaching session. And before we begin that session, let me explain a few things. Sure. Coaching engagements are very personal and very confidential. I protect the information discussed during my one-on-one coaching sessions with the strictest confidence. However, since this is a public session, I will honor Dr. O'Brien by using a slightly different approach than I would in a private session. I'll, fo- I'll focus on Dr. O'Brien's strengths those things that set him and his organization apart from the competition. This approach is referred to as appreciative inquiry. If at any time Dr. O'Brien feels uncomfortable answering a particular question that I ask, he has the right to decline. One last thing, in the coaching client partnership, the client, in this case, Dr. O'Brien, is in control. Dr. O'Brien must give me, as his coach, permission to coach him. So, Dr. O'Brien, do I have permission to begin the coaching session? You certainly do. All right. I want to shift gears just a little bit since the title of today's show is From Everyday Practice to Launching a Vision, mm-hmm. and we haven't talked about the vision yet, so um, talk to me a little bit about your idea to launch PsychTouch LLC. Sure. You know, as I've been working with kids over the years, obviously technology has become more important to them, and it's been more integrated into the session, meaning kids, you know, they do, they do bring in their tablets and their phones, and I don't want to be just a parent and say, no, you can't bring it in, because it's a part of their life. Certainly, there's some limits placed on what we, you know, in terms of looking at it and how much time we spend, but I've learned a lot about kids by seeing what kinds of YouTube videos they're interested in, or in some cases, making. Uh, I, I want to know the kinds of games that they're playing. I want to know the kinds of messages that they're giving and receiving to their friends and other people on social media, and I've noticed that they obviously really gravitate towards that sort of stimulation, which is, again, has pros and cons. But some of the child uh, play therapy, if you will, methods, some of them aren't always as appealing or they're not always enough or contemporary enough. And so I thought, you know, I wonder if I can do something and integrate technology but with something significant that has to do with children and what I need to understand about them. And, and, it, and, and I was talking to a good friend of mine on a regular basis about this. And in our conversations, he helped me start realizing, yeah, there's something here. And one of the things I need to know about every kid is how they view their family. How, how do they view their household and the people in their lives? And with young children in particular, obviously we talk to kids, but... Uh, play is a child's work, play is a child's language, and 
art is as well. And so you can ask kids to draw pictures of their family. You can have kids play out things with, uh, with figures, puppets, a little dollhouse. And I use some of those things. But some kids don't take as well to some of that. And so I decided... I think I got it. It was one of these things I thought, I think kids can depict their family on a tablet. And that started it. And then it took, you know, another, I don't know how long, but many, many, many months to kind of get it in my head where, okay, I think I want it to be, what does a child think and feel about the people in their lives? How do they see them? And, but it's got to be simple, engaging and simple. And, uh, uh, a, a person, a friend of mine, she's both a friend of mine, she's also done some, some uh, PR for me. Uh, she got me in, uh, hooked up with a company that does app programming. Because I was talking to her about this, just having brunch with her, just saying, thinking about doing this. And she said, I love the idea, and I think you need to talk to Sean. And I said, well, who's Sean? <laughs> and she said, Sean Carey owns HD Interactive in Tampa. They are a cool company that does a lot of technologically advanced sorts of stuff. And I said, okay. So we met, we spoke, and it began little by little. And over the next year and a half, Sean and his team and I met on a very regular basis and little by little created Life at Home. Uh, which allows children to use an iPad or an Android tablet to very easily depict the people and pets in their life and what these people and pets are thinking, feeling, saying, doing, where in the house they are. Uh, and then they also pick a weather scene, uh, which kind of has some yeah. emotional tend, uh, inferences, and they pick background music. It all stores, and so you can then cool. show parents with permission. I like to get the kids permission. Here's what your child is. Here's how your child is seeing the family. All right. Well, I'm going to interrupt you for just a second here because we're approaching our final commercial break, and I'm sure. really interested to hear more of this story. So when we return, we'll talk more about the Life at Home app and where uh, Dr. O'Brien is going in the future. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a design alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. 
If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Hello, we're back with Dr. Steve O'Brien, and we were discussing just before the break about this Life at Home app, which is really, really creative. And I just want to uh, go back to Dr. O'Brien and ask, is there anything we left out about how this app works um, before we got to our break? I, I, you know, I think basically think of it as if you're sitting down with a child that's drawing. Some kids like you to sit right there with them while they draw. Others like a little distance and kind of, you know, draw more quietly. Others talk to you. So it's just kind of think about the distance that the child and the amount of engagement they want. But basically, younger kids usually sit next to them with the iPad or a tablet. Uh, older kids, they're, they're sitting a little more distance. You can just kind of explain it. But it's just very simple. There's a tutorial on the app that is very easy to for the clinician or counselor to learn. And it's so easy to teach it to the kid. In fact, with kids being so good, but they barely need a lesson. I mean, they just kind of get it. Uh, and it's and it's just a, a pretty short process. It's the, lo- well, the more people they put in their family, the longer the process. But generally speaking, in ten minutes or so, ten to twenty minutes, you they're done. Uh, and so it so it really is a very simple process. It's not a complicated app. Okay, um, it's been on the market what about two years, maybe? Yeah, close roughly, to two years. Uh, yeah, and it you know and and getting the word out has been tough. And quite frankly, one of the reasons is because. You know, I spent a lot of money on programming, and so there's not as I don't have a big marketing budget, and so I'm trying to be creative and cost effective in how I market. And uh, it's but it's it's getting some good footing here in Tampa Bay, but quite frankly, it's difficult to get it beyond. And I'm trying, <laughs> um, okay. but it's it's still difficult. Okay, so you said it's been a little bit slow. How Tell me how the sales of the app have compared to, say, your initial expectations and in, in percentages, I guess we could say. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I would say that definitely it isn't performing as well as I'd like sales-wise. You know, it, it's, it's, I would say it's performing, well, unfortunately, less than half as well as I would like it to. And part of that, I mean, I say a big part of that, again, is my marketing limitations and also my time limitations because I'm still seeing a lot, you know, I, I'm seeing people in my office. And and so I think that that makes it difficult. So I'm getting better at finding people to assist me uh, and still kind of be mindful of cost. So that, that I think, has been helpful. I'm, I'm, I'm working right now also, I think I said, on getting on the lecture circuit because there's some topics I want to discuss to help clinicians uh, in their continuing education requirements. And that also provides me an opportunity to get in front of the people that may very well be interested in the app. Uh, but it has uh, been tough. It, yeah, it hasn't performed like I want, but I think it's because 
it's still only so known. Because when people see it and use it, they like it. But it's also something that's very new to, to, to the field. It's kind of the first of its kind sort of app uh, in the mental health field that, uh, that really assesses something about a child in this way. Uh, and so sometimes it's hard for people to kind of know exactly what it does uh, and, until they really get their hands on it. And so I'm hoping that by marketing more directly to clinicians across the country that that'll help. Uh, but certainly the website is available for people to look at, psychtouch.com, and that gives you a good indication. And there's, there's a lot of information out there about it, and there's a free trial as well. That's the other thing. I didn't have the free trial right away because, quite frankly, it was expensive. You had to program it separately. And so now that I have the free trial, it's picking up a bit because people now can try it without having to pay anything. Excellent. So you talked about a couple parts of your strategy for getting it in the hands of more families that can benefit. Did you talk about going on the speaker tour, doing um, uh, continuing education? Um, what else right. uh, comes to mind? Getting people to help you because of your time limitations. What else? What else um, could you could yeah, you do? Yeah, get, getting getting smarter with social media. I just recently hired a uh, very reasonable, which helps <laughs> in terms of money, social media assistant and who's helping me with, with posts on the Facebook page for the app and okay. for my LinkedIn uh, profile. And she's helping in terms of putting articles and studies of interest that relate to children and families uh, as a way to get people to, to, to the site. Uh, because it's, it is a, a more unusual audience, even though parents themselves and families can use the app directly at home, but generally speaking, this is probably going to be an app that's still more geared for the professionals that work with the kids. And so it's trying to, it's trying to think of creative ways to tap them. I'm, I'm, I'm having... I'm doing both email and also hard copy uh, mailings, going to training, clinical training, uh, clinical psychology internships, rather, across the country, because they're usually, those are settings that are really into exposing new clinical psychology interns to what's going on in the field. So I'm, I'm getting better with people's help and thinking about how you access the audiences and the target markets that I want in ways that are hopefully effective and that don't cost an arm and a leg. But, um, so getting the right people, I, so I think, really is, is so important. And I'm still building that network of people to help with the marketing. Okay. Let's talk about, you mentioned you want to go and do some speaking. Um, give me an idea what what kind of an audience yeah. and what kind of a venue you'll be looking at for doing your speaking. So I'm looking at some some national companies that hire uh, clinicians as well as other types of professionals to provide seminars for continuing education for clinicians. And so one of the ways to get hired that I'm, I'm currently actually on Monday I'm talking to someone uh, who may be interested in using my services. It's developing seminars that are unique and that are needed. So one of the things I'm doing is I just developed a, a seminar called I Love Working with Kids But, uh, effect, Effective Parent Consultation for Child Therapists. So it's how do you work with parents more effectively so that they're an asset to, in, to, to how you're trying to help their child or teen. So that's a seminar that's, current, that's, that's, that's been developed and is now, I'm now mailing that proposal, sending that proposal to these companies. That will be 
a great thing to get on that lecture circuit because, again, you're getting in front of the audience you need. You're actually speaking one-on, you know, and not one-on-one, but in small to medium-sized groups, uh, people that work in the field with kids and teens. Because that nice thing about these companies will do the marketing for you because, obviously, they, they, that's what they do. They, they want people <laughs> to attend because that's also how they stay in business. Uh, so it's kind of a win-win because they let you market whatever book or product you have because they want your seminars well attended. You're serving the, the clinicians, which ultimately serves you know kids and families. In the process, you're getting good exposure to market your uh, product. So I, I'm hopeful that that will really help, and I'm really hoping that within the next two to three months uh, that I'm on that circuit. So you know, fingers crossed. Well, let's talk for just a second about what you can do to ensure that you get on that circuit. Any, anything you haven't done or anything that you can do that, sure. that will kind of increase your odds? Yes, I think I have to still create a stronger uh, pitch, an even stronger pitch. Uh, one of the companies that I sent to, they, they said, we like what you have so far, but then they sent me this very long, here's what we want you to do. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, they want, some of the companies want you to do more work in terms of selling it to them. They, you almost have to make your presentation look like a, a, like, like a, a really effective ad for why you should allow me to talk about this topic, why people, why people will want to sign up for this topic. I know inherently how, how useful that topic is because grad students don't get a lot of training in how you deal with parents on your caseload. You get information about how you uh, provide parents with, a, with like information about behavior management or communication, but not how you manage the parent themselves on the caseload, because some parents can be quite challenging, and uh, even if they're well-intentioned. So I think I need to spend more time with my very capable assistant, and we have a meeting actually tomorrow, to, go, to develop a stronger visual and textual pitch that can be sent, and, uh, and do we broaden, you know, I need to send it to more companies, too. We've only sent it to, like, three yeah. so far. So, um, so I think... So what I'm hearing you say is you're going to use some different medium for that. You might use a, do a video or you might do a, you know, yeah, more, than just, I, more than just a, uh, you know, a written document that tells them how right. great it is. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've done a PowerPoint, but that's not enough. So, uh, yeah, i got to get more creative with the pitch. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow with with my great assistant, Kim. So uh, I, I think, I, yeah, hopefully that, that will help. Taking some great steps, but and, and I'm going to step back just a second because you're, you know, what I'm hearing is you're kind of blazing a new trail. This is not mm-hmm. something that, that is out there that you're just making it better, you know? This yeah, is kind of a new product. Or a new right, the app is a new product, and even this seminar topic, as far as I know, is pretty new. I don't, I don't see, I've done some research, and I'm not finding that people are, are, are really talking about that, yet I find people on a regular basis that are interested in that subject. Okay. Um, what about, I'm going to step out of coaching for just a second, and then make and give a, mm-hmm. you know, I guess mentors, being a mentor for a second, that is... What about testimonials? Mm, yes, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because all I have so far is I have a, a few local clinicians on the, uh, on the Google Play and iPad stores, Apple stores, uh, rather, have, there's a little testimonial there, 
but I need more. I need I need it on the website. I don't think I have it on the website, so right away that needs to be done. I'm just realizing that the testimonials need to be on my website, and they're not. Uh, I also probably need to just to go around talking to the clinicians I know that are using it and asking more of them to write reviews and testimonials for me. Of course, I keep saying that I've said to myself I need to do that. I haven't done enough of that. So I agree that I, I definitely need to get more testimonials from people, uh, endorsements that, you know, genuine endorsements of people that have found it helpful. And this part costs some money, but eventually uh, the company that helped me that program the app for me also wants to help produce a a video that can be sent around and also put on the website, but can be sent around as a promotional tool that really shows people working with the app. And so oh. that's another thing that needs to happen. Excellent. Well, I could, I could keep talking about this for another hour, but unfortunately <laughs> we're, we're uh, coming close to the end of our show tonight. So I want to, you know, your practice is outstanding. Your, your app is really, really creative and, and I think it's going to take off great. So, it's been a sincere pleasure having you as our guest on Coaching for Real today. How can our listeners, you know, contact you, learn more about all the things you do in a, in a, in a clinical setting, and learn more about the Life at Home app? Sure. Here's a, here's a few things. They they can visit the website, uh, which is psychtouch.com. Again, p s y c h t o u c h dot com. Uh, they can visit um, o'brienpsychology.com to learn about my practice. And they can contact me via email uh, at psychtouchinfo at gmail.com. And, uh, and they certainly can, can, can telephone the practice, and they can get that number, again, through, uh, through obrienpsychology.com. you got a lot of places for people to find you. Hopefully so. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, maybe we'll have a back again sometime because I, like I say, it, there's a lot more to talk about. I'd like I'd like to find out just how well all this marketing uh, ideas go and how uh, how well this takes off because I think it's going to be fantastic. And you've got another product coming behind it, right? Yes, uh, hopefully life at school. So cool. uh, helping children depict what their situation is like in their school environment because that's very vital right. too. Excellent. Pleasure. Okay, Coaching for Real is about you. You're very, very welcome. Coaching for Real is about you, real people, real challenges, real breakthrough. If you're an entrepreneur or a business leader and are interested in being a guest on this show, please let me know. I will be more than happy to send you some information. In addition, send me your comments, questions, and anything else that may be on your mind. I even welcome criticism and suggestions for improvement. This show is about you, so I want to hear from you, the positive and the constructive, so I can make this show even better. My email address is ronald at ronaldgraves.com. It's been my sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. Good night. Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.